Welcome to Fleet Safety Geeks. I'm Bob. And I'm Phil. And we welcome you to our podcast. All right, Phil. Well, welcome back to another episode of Fleet Safety Geeks. And we might even have to call it COVID Safety Geeks, right? Yeah, we were uh, both hit with this, Bob. And even though we uh, record in, uh, you're in Ohio and I'm in Pennsylvania, <laughs> we both came down with it. So uh, hit us hit us a little hard, but uh, hey, we're on the mend, right? It, it's good to know we didn't give it to each other. That's right. That's right. <laughs> now, unless this can be uh, transmitted electronically, they'll probably discover that's the case now, right? But <laughs> yeah, well, apparently it mutates well, and this uh, version of this uh, uh, Omicron variant is apparently skipping... Uh, vaccines and uh, previous infections so it's a uh, highly contagious who knows maybe to learn how to uh, you know submit uh, electronically that's next right so perfect <laughs> yeah so if everybody hears an occasional cough uh, we apologize in advance I'll try and edit most of them out but it's going to happen and um, one thing I couldn't edit out in the last episode was uh, some jingling. Do you have any uh, jingling in your house, Phil? Uh, yeah, I do. That's called Murphy. Uh, he's a he's a schnoodle. Um, gave up my man card when we got him. He's uh, about uh, 15 pounds and uh, probably one of the neatest little knucklehead dogs we've ever had. But uh, yeah, it was getting close to his dinner time. And uh, when it gets close to Murphy's dinner time, he has a tendency of jumping up and uh, letting me know that, uh, hey, he needs to be fed. So my apologies uh, for Murphy's jingling, but uh, he's a he's not a at all. Cool, he's a pretty cool pup. Not at all. I thought it was actually kind of awesome. We talked about it afterwards and it's kind of nice to know. So if we hear uh, Murphy come in again, uh, we'll actually say hi to Murphy. Um, <laughs> Include him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I gave up my man card. We have a golden doodle, um, but no jingling collar. So um, Jade also makes an appearance every once in a while. And, and cool. I just give her a little pet when she comes in. So uh, I think it's awesome. So yep. Um, one thing we do have to talk about is something serious. We have a, a a big drinking holiday coming up, and from a fleet safety point of view, a couple of geeks probably want to keep people safer on this holiday, right? Yeah, that's exactly right, Bob. Fourth uh, of July is recognized as one of those holidays where um, you know um, impaired driving is more prevalent, and especially when it's uh, it is like it is this year. So July Fourth falls on a Monday, so that's an extended weekend. So people, you know, have a tendency of going out if they don't have to get up for work. I mean, so Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, um, and then with Monday to recover. Um, it's a concern, uh, and, 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 well, then with all the picnics and such, you know, there's going to be a lot of, uh, uh, alcohol consumption and whatever consumption, uh, at, at those, um, festivities as well. So it is, it is an issue. And that's why, um, we discussed about how, uh, doing, a, 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 an impaired driving podcast to go along with this, uh, this holiday this year. Yeah, absolutely. The timing couldn't be better um, for us to recover from our COVID ails and uh, right. uh, being able to get together for a podcast episode right before the the holiday break. So, um, yeah, uh, with that, you know, the the multiple days of drinking and the different picnics and and uh, evening festivities, you know, um, the picnics. I mean, that can encourage you know a lot of day drinking, and then it goes into the night during the fireworks and. Um, so yeah, it definitely, uh, has a lot of drinking opportunities. Um, 
and anytime that if you don't have a place to stay, people are probably going to drive and that's going to uh, cause a lot of impaired driving during a, a holiday. Do you have any, um, uh, yeah, you have some, some CDC statistics. Um, they don't release every year. So some of this is from 2020. What do you have as far as um, uh, deaths around um, um, impaired driving? Yeah. So the, um, the CDC in the uh, report that they put out in December of 2020 determined that um, <clears throat> annually um, about 10,585 people lost their lives. And uh, that's 29 people every day uh, who were uh, had their lives taken away as a result of impaired driving. And if you break that down even further, Bob, that's a life lost every 50 minutes. So, yeah. I mean... It, it, it's and, and and the thing I always say about impaired driving is that every one of these totally preventable. Somebody makes the decision to drive while impaired. So these are totally, totally, totally preventable um, collisions and 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 injuries and fatalities. And that that's not even getting into the injuries, which are you know will go into the thousands, even millions of people who are affected every year uh, as a result of collisions that were as a result of impaired driving. So um, people make that decision. They, they think they're okay, and we're going to talk about that, and they simply aren't. I mean, this is so preventable. And people can't say that they don't know better, right? I mean, when I, I, was, <clears throat> I got into police work in the 80s, in the early 80s, and that was before MAD. And then MAD came along. The Mothers Against Drunk Drivers loved them, and they made us a lot more aware well, why are we still having this issue? Why are we still having this conversation? People are aware. Everybody knows they should never drive while impaired, but yet it's still happening. And it's it's actually going up, and we'll talk about the reasons why. Right, right. No, absolutely. So um, one thing that, um, you know... You know, this is a, a, a safety conversation for, again, you know, outside of just fleet. Um, this is for everybody, one of those conversations that can impact everybody um, who is going to celebrate during the 4th of July. But the, you, you have something on here about the economic impact. Um, so the economic impact, you know, that's going to go across um, um, civilians and, and everybody and insurance costs, you know, related to that. But there's economic impacts that are going to impact companies that have fleet drivers. Um, let's talk about that first, since this is fleet safety geeks, then we'll go into all of the um, uh, economic impact, you know, for everybody. But, but if you think about like even um, someone who has a DUI or uh, cited for impaired driving, you know, other, other impairments, um, you know, even on their own personal time. So if you have a fleet driver who is cited over the 4th of July holiday, has a DUI, that's going to impact a company um, as well, right? Even if it doesn't happen in a fleet vehicle. Absolutely. So that same study that was put out by the CDC in December of 2020, they determined that the economic impact just in the U.S. Uh, is around $44 billion annually. $44 right. billion annually and if you think about it you know just and that's not just the fines and the, and the damage and all of that i mean it's lost earnings and you know when a life is lost um think about the the ripple effect that that has and and the economic impact of that let alone when people are injured and and like i said there are all the thousands and thousands of people who are 
permanently or, you know, for, or have long-term injuries as a result of somebody, again, making that decision to drive while impaired. So the cost of it is just astronomical. Yeah, especially these days with um, the nuclear um, uh, settlements that happen oh. in court, you know, um, in insurance cases these days, um, that's going to be huge. It's going to be huge for uh, an organization. It's going to be huge for insurance companies. Uh, people's personal insurance, um, but some some of the soft costs in there is also loss of revenue um, right. that a company is going to have because that driver uh, probably has lost their license or is, has limited you know uh, driving. Um, so that's going to impact uh, a company, but not even to mention you know the, the the families that are impacted by somebody who may have been involved in an accident, injury, or worse. Um, so yeah, that's that's something that from the fleet side is, is huge, but also from the, and so, um, let's talk about impairment. What, what is Im impairment these days? Okay. What's so the legal you, definition? Yeah. So if you're just looking at it from the alcohol land, we want to talk about the other impairments, but just looking at it from alcohol, uh, <clears throat> in every state you can be arrested at a 0 0.08 blood alcohol concentration. So what that means is that that's the assumed level of intoxication so if you get a 0 0.08 or a blood above blood alcohol concentration, it is assumed that you are not capable of driving a vehicle safely. That is the assumption from the courts, and it's just the assumed level of intoxication. Well, guess what? In Utah now is 0 0.05, and in Canada it's 0 0.05. Many of the European countries 0 0.05. So they're even more strict than uh, most of the states in the U.S., which is at 0 0.08. And when I, again, when I first started in law enforcement, it was 0 0.10. Um, but uh, I can tell you, and having made numerous, numerous uh, impaired driving arrests, 0 0.08, they shouldn't be behind the wheel. They should not be. And people say, oh, no, I'm fine then. No, you're not. You think you are. Uh, and and at, at a 0 0.05, you can be arrested in every state in this in the United States at a 0 0.05, not just Utah. But all the officer has to do is testify that per person was a 0 0.05 or above, and they were intoxicated to the degree that they could not operate a vehicle safely. And that will typically lead to a conviction. And the reason it will lead to a conviction is because the courts are modif are, are um, observed by organizations such as MAD. And if they find a judge who is being lenient on impaired driving, guess what? You don't want the mad mothers coming at you. So I, again, God bless them. They, uh, they, they still, they're still doing a lot of vital work, and, but it needs to be more serious. And we're going to talk about other impairment here, but if just looking at it from an, uh, an alcohol standpoint, 0 0.08, but guess what? 0 0.05, you can be arrested. And folks, that's not that much. You, you know, I'll just have a couple of drinks and I'll be fine. Well, you're getting close. So, um, you know, I, I put it really pretty simple. Don't drive impaired, you know, ever with anything. So well, let's talk about that. So, you know, since I've gone through my 20s and I'm well past that now, but it's always been 0.08 since, since I was of legal age, age to drink. And I was always told that 0.08 is one beer per hour. So that would mean I can drink for 10 hours and still be okay to um, drive if I had 10 beers, right? 
Well, I think that's really <laughs> rolling the dice. Uh, and I, if somebody's saying that, and I've never seen anybody at a bar or party like set the timer on their phone or on their watch going ding, 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 ding. Okay, I can have another. You know, I mean, it's usually what happens is you have a drink and then somebody comes up with another drink and then you have that drink with them and pretty soon you're losing uh, count, right? So are, are you really going to go, okay, I can't have another one until now? And, and quick, how quickly do you consume that? Also, what is the alcohol content of the drink that you're drinking? How much have you eaten? What is your body mass, your blood mass? And, you know, so there are a lot of things that go into that, that are taken into, uh, have to be taken into consideration. Uh, so the one drink per hour thing, I just, I think that's just, you know, playing with dynamite. I, 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 I just simply say, if you're going to drink, don't drive. If you're going to drive, don't drink. Make it that really, simple. Obviously, yeah, I'm yeah. trying to d debunk the theory. Oh, um, yeah. No, actually, no, you're absolutely right, Bob. That That is, yeah. yeah. Well, I think a lot of people have that idea. Just, well, you know, you know, and, and it's false. Because as we talked with the 4th of July, there's going to be a lot of, um, you know, picnics and, and barbecues right. um, um, over a long weekend. And, and people might think that it's like, oh, I've been drinking in the sun. You know, I had a lot of water. Um, I only had, you know, four beers over four hours. I should be fine. You know, we need to get out of that mindset. And I like right. how you said, if you're impaired, don't drive. Um, come up with a plan. Should we come up with a plan? You yeah, know, if you're going to be doing something. Absolutely. And you need to make those arrangements prior to impairment, no matter what the impairment, because what happens is, is that <clears throat> once you become impaired, your judgment's impaired. You think you're okay. The example I always use here is I, I was on patrol one night and I had a car tailgating me so close that all I could see was the glow of the headlights. I went off to the right. I mean, he was just tailgating me. I, and I'm in a marked police car. So that's an impaired judgment. Uh, yeah. I went off to the right. He went by me. I followed him for three quarters of a mile with lights and siren on. And he was traveling 10 to 15 miles per hour. Once he got, and once I got him stopped, he tried to step out of his vehicle and he literally fell onto the road. Thank goodness there was no other traffic. I had to hold him up. He could hardly stand. I got him back to the station. He blew a 0.29 blood alcohol. He had a 0.29 blood alcohol concentration, so which is just absolutely polluted, you know. Um, and uh, what he said to me was, "Okay, okay, okay, okay. Give me my keys. You can follow me home." This guy absolutely believed that he could drive a vehicle safely, and that is the the best example I can say as far as an impaired judgment. If he should have made made the arrangements prior to having that first drink, prior to the, any impairment from anything, make arrangements. Either you're going to stay in place, you're going to have a designated driver. You, you know, you're going to you're, you're you're just make sure that you aren't give up your keys. Do not get behind the wheel once you start to to become impaired because you may think you're okay. You're not. Yeah, really good advice. Um, let's talk about other impairment. We have other impairments that can happen as well um, from other legal or illegal substances. What do we got as far as uh, like marijuana? So I'm going to, yeah, I want to cover marijuana here, Bob, because it's just becoming more and more prevalent um, here in the U.S. Uh, you know, the legalization and normalization of marijuana use is, is um, 
it's common now, right? And there, I think there are 17 states that have recreational marijuana. I've, I'm, I, I shouldn't say that statistic because I'm not quite sure, uh, or that number, I'm not quite sure, but uh, that have recreational marijuana legalized, and many, many states have uh, medicinal marijuana legalized. And like I said, the normalization of its use is, is what's uh, really driving this. People think, okay, um, marijuana is not nearly as bad as far as impairment behind the wheel as alcohol. And that is just not true. It's not, I arrested a number of people over the years for marijuana impairment and they were showing all the same signs and symptoms as a, you know, a person who had a high blood alcohol concentration. And quite often it's not just marijuana, it's alcohol and marijuana. A lot of times people are partying, they're doing multiple things. So it's most of the time when I had ran into these cases, it wasn't just one thing. Um, so I, the example I'll use is this, and this just happened over this past Memorial Day weekend. At my local PD, they arrested, uh, they had a three-hour um, DUI checkpoint, and they arrested 18 people for driving while impaired in three hours. 11 of them were from marijuana impairment. Okay. So I think that speaks volumes as to the, um, and, and it's, and recreational, I'm in Pennsylvania, recreational marijuana is not legal yet, but every state is going to get it. I guarantee you. And again, I don't, I don't care which way you fall down on whether you think marijuana should be legalized or not. But what I do care about, uh, and concerned about is, is impairment and, who didn't see this coming? So Colorado, since they legalized recreational marijuana, has seen an 154% increase in um, marijuana-related fatalities. Uh, oh, wow. I mean, who didn't see that coming? It, it's, it's just, it's going to happen. And people just think, oh, well, you know, if I spark up, I'm going to be okay. No, you're not. And the same thing is, holds true here as with alcohol. Once you become impaired, you think you're okay. You're not. Um, and one of the other things that concerns me is the edibles, right? So it's not just smoking of marijuana. It's, that's not, it, it, there are a number of different ways that you become impaired with marijuana and the edibles. Uh, the concern with that is, is that what's the concentration how much did they put into the food and how impaired is somebody thinking, well, I just ate a brownie. Well, guess what? You're impaired and you should not be getting behind the wheel. If you're going to do any of this, and, and there may be some, some unsuspecting people who are eating some of these things at a party and they are impaired and they don't even know it. So there are a lot of concerns that I have regarding, you know, the, the legalization and the normalization of marijuana use. Um, just because of impairment and what that involves with people getting uh, injured and killed. Right. Yep. And like you said, we're not here to debate the topic of uh, right. legalization or not. Um, it's just the fact that if somebody is going to choose to, uh, and again, it goes back to what you said earlier. It's 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 avoidable. Uh, nobody needs to get behind the wheel um, when they've chosen to be impaired. So even if everybody wants it to be legal, we still can make that decision to not get behind the wheel um, after being impaired. Yeah. Um, you go ahead. Sorry. No, that's okay. No, and 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 the thing of it is too is that the reason I keep saying that every state's going to have it is because they don't want to lose that tax revenue. 
right? So Pennsylvania doesn't have it yet. New Jersey and New York, who surrounds, you know, their their border Pennsylvania, they have recreational marijuana. So Pennsylvania is going to lose a lot of tax revenue. Guess what? Pennsylvania is going to get legalized recreational, guaranteed, and and it's just going to sweep across the country just like it is. Uh, predicted that one years ago, and it's and it's happening. Um, it and again, my concern is that um, people have a false idea that well, if you you spark up or if you eat an edible with marijuana, you know, with uh, THC in it, that it's not going nearly as bad as if you've been drinking garbage that is absolute garbage i call garbage on that nope you're impaired you shouldn't be behind the wheel and you need to make the arrangements prior um and one of the other things bob i think that companies need to do that have fleets right i think that they need to address this in their policies so one of the ways that police are detecting marijuana impairment is what with what they call drug recognition experts these are police men and women who are trained in the uh, uh, the detection of uh, people who are impaired from from various drugs. And uh, they use various tests. Uh, one is vertical gaze nystagmus. They use horizontal gaze nystagmus for uh, alcohol. Well, then there's a test called vertical gaze nystagmus. That's one of the tests that they use. But the point I'm making is this. You need, a, so I worked for a pharmaceutical company for a number of years and had policies that you, if you refuse a test that uh, for uh, a blood, breath, or urine for alcohol impairment, then that's a, a fireable offense. You know, you can be terminated for that. Companies need to put into their policies that if you refuse a field sobriety test, that could be a terminable offense that you could be fired for that. And the reason I say that is, again, this is the way the police are detecting marijuana impairment. And it's going to get court challenged. And, 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 and listen, there are a lot of attorneys out there who just make a living off of this stuff. Um, not being critical of that, but that, that's the truth. That's just the fact. And they're going to try and come up with different ways to, to um, you know, get people uh, to be found innocent you need to have a strong policy and enforce that policy that uh, addresses the testing that is done for marijuana impairment and other illicit drugs, which there's a, I think, an, an increase in illicit drug use, especially since the COVID shutdown. And we can talk about that more than Bob. Yeah, you've mentioned that a number of times and, and it certainly, you know, makes sense, right? You know, people are... Uh, not as socially engaged, they're sitting around at home and they might be self-medicating for, you know, a number of reasons. Yeah. Yep, exactly right, Bob. So I think that when, when people were, um, you know, uh, isolated, um, I, I believe everybody would agree that we are in a mental health crisis. Uh, and I think the globe is, is having a mental health crisis because of, you know, uh, people who were isolated as a result of the COVID shutdown. And a lot of people start self-medicating. And whether that would be alcohol or with marijuana or other drugs, illicit drugs, but then also prescribed medications, right? So people are having issues and that could be pain medications. It could be even allergy medications, over-the-counter medications. It's not just alcohol. It's not just marijuana. It's not just heroin. I mean, I, I arrested a mom once who had her two kids in the car, literally coming from soccer practice, and she was all over the road. And it turned out she was on pain medications. She was intoxicated. 
she, she I mean, she's showing all the same signs and symptoms of somebody I'd see at 2 a.m. with a, you know, a 0.2 blood alcohol. Uh, and she, she should not have been driving and she got arrested. And that sound might sound cold and mean and all that, but she was impaired and she was a danger to herself, to her children and everybody else out there. Yeah. You know, going to just to touch on that a little bit, you know, um, the legalization of marijuana, right? So I support the legalization just for the decriminalization of it, right? The, the possession, the selling or whatever, you know, it should be decriminalized if it's, if it's legal in so many States, but it's still a criminal act. If you choose to be impaired and get behind the wheel, right? right. That's, that's criminal. And, and that's what, what, really is is the big question here so whether it's uh pain medication or or over-the-counter cough medicine um or legal marijuana or illegal marijuana um getting behind the wheel is still a criminal act if you're impaired and and that's that shouldn't change so right bob you're that's exactly exactly right whether it's alcohol or legalized marijuana or it's you know, heroin or cocaine or no matter what impairment is impairment is impairment and i clamp down hard on any of that stuff. Um, you should never, ever get behind the wheel if you're impaired by anything. And I will include the, the over-the-counter antihistamines. And people say, well, I didn't realize it was going to affect me that way. Well, it's your responsibility. If you're going to get behind the wheel, you need to know how something is going to affect your ability to drive safely. And that's your responsibility. You are liable for that. So I, I put the onus on the individual uh, not to drive impaired from any source, any source at all. That's right. And that's why they have the warning labels on all of the, whether it's over the counter or prescribed medicine. So um, let's talk a little bit about policy. In fact, you know, as we're talking, I think a fleet policy podcast might be a good one because there's a lot of safety topics that can go into fleet policy. Uh, but you said that policies, um, you know, should address the field sobriety testing. Um, you mentioned um, if somebody fails a, a field sobriety test or refuses one, could lose their 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 job at the uh, pharmaceutical company you were with. Um, I assume that's if they were driving a company vehicle, right? Well, I don't care what they're driving. If it affects their driver's license, it affects their ability to operate a vehicle for the, the organization that they're working for. So whether they're in a company vehicle, a private vehicle, whether it happened on company time or private time, it doesn't matter. What Anything that affects your, your driver's license needs to be addressed. And again, you want to talk about negligent entrustment. Say, well, while they weren't, they weren't driving their private vehicle at the, on a, you know, a Saturday night, they weren't working. Okay, we're going to let that one go. Nope. Nope. They're just as suspended as a person who was driving the company vehicle on a Wednesday afternoon. You know, yeah. uh, you have just as much exposure there. And if you allow that person to, you know, you retain that person. It, it, here's the thing. Recidivism rate for impaired driving is 33%. So 33% of the, and that's been holding steady for a number of years. 33% of the people who, you know, get arrested, cuffed, put into the back of the police car, have to go through that whole process, court, you know, rehab, you know, fines, court costs, all that, 33% of them, a third of them are going to do it again. And that's incredible to me. And that's why I say companies need to make sure that they have a very strong policy with regard to driving while impaired. You retain that person and, and let's say they get a hardship license, a license that says, well, they can drive while, you know, uh, while they're, uh, you know, working. 
maybe they even have an interlock device, which I love interlock devices. But are you actually going to put that into your company vehicle? And if so, then again, what is your what is your risk now, right? And if you don't put in that interlock device, and you have a and you retain somebody, and they they are one of the third who go and do it again, now what is your exposure to uh, civil litigation, especially if somebody's hurt? Great. I absolutely agree. Um, but as a fleet manager and being responsible for policy, um, I got to tell you, that portion was the one that was the most combed over with a fine tooth comb from legal and HR. Mm -hmm. um, no matter what kind of feedback that I would give in agreement that a DUI is DUI, whether it's in a personal vehicle, a company vehicle, um, man, that, that got the most uh, attention and um, uh, editing by, by legal and HR. Um, right. So where, where I have uh, responsibility for fleet policy is you know, if it happens in a company vehicle, you're automatically, that's it. It's done. Right. Right. Makes sense. You know, the, the, the liability was there while in a vehicle was immediate, right? There's other liability if you get a DUI, if it's in a personal vehicle, but I think if a company has like, um, assistance, you know, uh, for people who might say they have a problem or they need some help, um, you know, I think that the, the, the reasoning behind that is, oh, well, you know, it didn't happen in our vehicle. It happened on personal time. The liability wasn't immediate. And the person's, you know, seeking help. I, I don't know. You know, um, I think the liability ultimately is the same, especially with the recidivism, as you said, because it could happen in a company vehicle and the next time you're just pushing the can down the road. But, um, you know, I don't know. Um, what do you yeah, I don't differentiate between the two, right? Because again, um, I don't care what vehicle you're driving, you're the you're a hazard, right? And and your chances of you doing that again are pretty actually pretty high. And if you want to protect your company, I believe that that you need to have some really strong policies. And and again, I've I've battled with legal over things like this, and uh, that's something that each company has to address individually, I believe. Uh, but I. Bob, listen, you know my background. I, you know, I reconstruct crashes. I've been to two darn many crashes. And every time I got called out after 11 o'clock, I, so I was on call for any fatals or what might become fatals. But every time I got called out after 11 p.m., it was always a drunk driver. So you'll find I'm a pretty hard liner with, with, with impaired driving. I, you know, I've had to just deal with it too often. Um, so I understand what you're saying and companies, you know, they need to get educated and, 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 you know, it just takes one, it, it just takes one and, um, they'll, they'll then, you know, it's a heck of a way to have to, uh, learn a lesson, you know, if, if something happens. Uh, so I'm, yeah, I'm a hardliner with it. I, I am, and, and I'm not going to apologize for that. Uh, I just think that, uh, impairment is a scourge on our highways. I think impairment right now and distraction are the two biggest issues that are occurring on the, on the highways. And, um, and I just see impairment just getting worse and worse and worse. Um, uh, and I, I think that the, when the 2021 statistics come out and they finally do the, you know, like the root cause analysis of a lot of these crashes, that, uh, you know, because the numbers just jumped drastically in 2021 as far as fatals in the U.S. I think once that's uh, drilled down, that they're going to find that impairment had a lot to do with it. Um, right. And so I'm, 
again, I, I, I know what you're saying and, and, and companies have to face that battle. But, um, I, again, I would just, uh, you know, you have to work really well with your HR and your legal departments. Yeah. No, and, and I agree. And don't ever apologize for uh, taking a stance on fleet safety. <laughs> you know, um, uh, that's that's why we're here, and that's why we're talking about it. It's just going to be interesting, and and that's why I think it could be a whole other podcast is to you know talk about developing policy, especially safety policy as part of the fleet policy, right. um, because there's there's a lot of different ways that things are being done out there. Um, in fact, I know that because I, I asked, I got onto NAFA's community pages and I asked, hey, how do you guys handle this? And I got so many different answers. Right. Um, I kind of wish there was a standard and and I kind of wish that there was a way that, that a lot of companies would, would come up with the same. So let's think about that for a future podcast. Yeah, I um, think that would be a good one. I really do. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. If we could talk for a while with all that stuff. Uh, yeah, and I got a few ideas of some other fleet managers yeah. who might want to get on, at least some right. of the people that responded with what their policy is mm-hmm. uh, to, to maybe help justify where they're coming from. So, yeah, yeah. We, we have some, yeah, some, between some the guests, us, maybe. Yeah, we, we yeah. know a few people, don't we, Bob? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, all right. Um, so we, we've talked about making arrangements and all the different impairments. Um, what if you're the sober one out there driving around uh, after the fireworks and is there a way to, you know, obviously, you know, this is facetious, but, you know, how do you identify the other driver on the road who might be impaired? To, to spot the, the impaired driver and stay away from them. Basically, how to not become a drunk driving impairment or an impaired driver uh, victim, basically. Victim, right, um, right. So there are a number of things I always tell people to be on the lookout for. And these are the things I would look for when I was trying to, uh, you know, uh, make a drive, <laughs> driving while impaired arrest. Uh, but weaving, you know, weaving on the road, uh, you know, obviously people, you know, understand that one. But here's the thing. It doesn't have to be over multiple lanes. It's just weaving within the lane. Like somebody's hitting the right line and going over and hitting the center line and then going over to the right side, like a slow weave. That is a classic, I mean, classic sign of an impaired driver. And, 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 and cars that hug the lines, right, either the center line or the right line, what an impaired driver is doing in that situation is they're using the line as the guide, right? They're trying to stay straight so they don't get stopped. They know they're impaired and they're kind of finding themselves, you know, maybe wandering a little bit. So they'll use the line as that guide. If you see somebody doing that, again, get away from them. It's interesting to say a um, couple couple things about the line and especially within the line. One is the, the driver who's already impaired already is uh, not making good mental decisions because right. their brain is is impacted is now concentrating only on the line. Right. So everything else going on around them, obviously they can't concentrate. The car on. stops in front of them. Bam. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. they weren't looking. They're looking at right. the line to their left yep. or right. Um we have a, a a podcast coming up where we're going to talk about ADAS, the um, automated driver assistance system. Systems, right? Yeah, and I've used the lane keep feature before. And Phil, I got to tell you, that car trying to stay within two lines made me look like an impaired driver because it was constantly going from side to side, bouncing right. off the line. Right. And I don't know. That's something that um, hopefully they've worked on. Maybe it was an older car, but. Um, that that just reminded me of what you said is uh, staying, you know, even weaving within the line uh, can right. be a, a good 
indication of that. So be careful if you use an ADAS and you're sober and you're reading between right. your lines. can pull over. So, and, and I'm glad you brought that up, Bob, because what I would always teach rookie cops, you know, when you're out there looking, you know, doing patrol and you're looking for an, an impaired driver is <clears throat> don't go with just one thing. If you see somebody weaving, it could be just avoiding a pothole or something, you know. Sure. Um, right. uh, so don't go with. I always say, give them, you know, the three strikes, right? So they're weaving, they're fluctuating in speed, they're hugging the lines. Okay, so now there are three things, and that's probable cause for stop. It's you know, an attorney might be able to argue one or even two of those away. It's pretty hard to argue away three. So I always said, make sure you know. Be and again, I, I always, I'd always say about police. Right. And I'm pretty hard line with that as well. Um, I was on, in the police department, obviously, but I'm pretty hard line in that you need the cops. You know, who knows better to obey the rules than the cops. Right. But I see cops who don't do that. And that just irritates me. So yeah. I always said, when you throw a stop on somebody, you put the lights on, you are telling that person they can't go anywhere you're depriving them of their freedom of movement. So you better be a hundred percent sure before you turn those lights on. So when it came to impairment, I was a hundred percent sure. Now there were times I stopped somebody and they were tired and we talked about fatigue the last one and it would wake them up and that's great. Okay. That worked, but they showed the same signs as, you know, a person with a high blood alcohol or marijuana impairment. So uh, you just need to be absolutely sure. So you, you, you bring up a good point about that ADAS and that might, <laughs> might make you uh, look like you're impaired and the cop's going to throw a stop on you. But, um, Hey, um, again, it, it, it doesn't. And, and, and if you have, and we're going to talk about that too, right? If you have ADAS, don't think, well, I can drive while I'm impaired. It'll take care of me. No, right, no. Right. I mean, obviously no. So yeah. But, but it's good to know if you're using ADAS and it's only the one uh, uh, weaving right. within the lane and everything else is fine, you know, maybe you'll get the pass. But um, I just thought it was will. interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's also really good to get uh, a viewpoint from a, a previous officer on, on some of this and the reasoning, you know, how some of it happens. Not to get away with it, but just so people understand, you know, yeah. maybe what the reasoning is and, and you know, where it's coming from. Um so we talked about weaving multiple lanes within a lane, you know, kind of hugging the lines. Uh, what else we got? Um, Fluctuations in speed, just erratic braking. I mean, again, that's a classic sign of an impaired driver. They just, for no reason at all, they're speeding up, they're slowing down, they're braking erratically. Um, drivers that cut corners wide and short, right? So uh, vision is impaired quite often with, you know, uh, when, when, with alcohol or other things, uh, other uh, drugs or whatever. Uh, so they'll cut the corners short. They'll cut the corners wide because reaction time is delayed and they realize, oh, there's my turn and make a last second turn. Uh, a car coming at you with the high beams on, I think is, I'll bet you, Bob, seven out of 10 times I did a U-turn on somebody who didn't dim the lights. I'd have an impaired driving arrest. And, and a lot of times people, when they're, um, when they're, uh, have a car coming at them with the high beams, they'll, you know, they'll flick the lights. They'll put the high beam up shortly and then put it back down. And if they don't dim the lights, then they, boom, they give them back to them, right? It's like, hey, you want the high beams here, here, you have it right back at you. you put the high beams up on them. Well, you could have an impaired blinded driver coming towards you. And that's not good. Okay. If you have a situation like that, what you should do is, you know, they don't dim the lights. It's classic sign of an impaired driver what you want to do is look up and to the right and keep that other driver in your peripheral until it gets by you in case they come over on into your lane so um that's another classic sign 
uh, tailgating. Uh, like I said earlier about the guy who was tailgating me in a marked police car. What happens is, and then quite often at nighttime, they'll get uh, an impaired driver will use your vehicle as the guide, right? They'll get transfixed on your taillights and they'll use you as a guide. What you want to do in that situation is make a right turn where you can keep moving. Quite often they just don't react in time and they'll go straight. And now you have the uh, suspected impaired driver off of your, off of your tail. Nice. Um, like that one. Yep. Uh, no lights on or just the park lights on, no headlights on. That's a classic sign. Don't, don't light on. You know how you can make an adjustment in your vehicle. You really only have to look. Uh, a lot of times, you know, at nighttime, an impaired driver will turn the dome light on to make whatever adjustment and then go back to driving, forget that they turned the dome light on. Uh, I made a number of uh, stops just for a person who has a dome light on. You know, that was one of the, the signs. And if you ever pull up to an intersection and you look at the person who's sitting next to you and they look absolutely blasted, yeah, pretty good chance that might be an impaired driver. Uh, and that sounds like a really weird one, but I'm telling you, uh, the look of impairment is pretty obvious sometimes. And if, if you see any of these things, if you can keep those drivers out in front of you, if they're in front of you, they're not going to hit you. If you pull up next to somebody and they look impaired, let them go first. Once, and it might take them a while, you know, once the light turns green again because of slowed reaction time, because of impairment. Uh, that's another one, delayed reaction time, right? Um, you know, they're sitting at the stop sign waiting for it to turn green, you know. Uh, it, it's like the let them go first because if they're in front of you, they're not going to hit you. If you have to, take a different round. Um, I've had people ask me whether they should, you know, like call it in to the police department. Okay, but I don't want you doing that while you're driving. You know, if you want to get a description of the vehicle and pull safely, you know, over and make a call to the police department saying, hey, this person's heading south on Main Street and this type of vehicle and I believe they're impaired. Cool. Great. But don't don't get into a situation where you're following that vehicle and then, you know, because you are now putting yourself in jeopardy. Drunk drivers are very, very unpredictable and they're very very unsafe yeah you know that's really good advice to not call in when you see someone um not only for the fact that you're now using your phone while driving right um you know that's that's creating a distraction for 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 you and putting your life in danger and other people around you but i gotta say it's kind of not related to impaired but it is related to calling in uh fleet drivers i get these calls all the time and you know the call is like your driver you know is gonna kill somebody out there they're going 85 miles an hour and i asked the driver how do you know you know that right? <laughs> because i was behind him going 85 miles, miles an hour, hour in fact, right. oh, that's he's, he's in front of me right now and i'm like so you are driving down the road going 85 miles an hour basically wow. tailgating our driver and calling it in while you drive. yeah so let's uh be more reasonable uh when yeah, we need to report some common sense here, right? Just, yeah, just common yeah. sense. Like I said, if you want to pull over safely someplace and call that in, great. You know, call it in because if if a cop can catch up to that and get that stopped and before they crash into somebody or something else, great. But um, yeah, don't think you're like you should be following the person and radioing in. You know, the, the, yeah, the the, the 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 impaired driver. You know, yeah. it's just not safe. Stay away from them. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So, um, yeah, interesting to keep the the impaired driver in front of you so they can't hit you. Um, 
a lot of times I've seen someone on their own and I'm like, oh my gosh, they just keep weaving. They're going to get into my lane. I always try and get ahead of them. That, I guess, is not the best advice because they're behind me and they just slam into me. So right. I like they that idea. And, and, and like say when you're trying to pass them, they could get you then. But then also the next red light, guess what? They're coming they're up be behind there you. Right. Yeah. And that's not safe. So nope, try and keep them out in front of you. If you have to, take a different route. Get away from them. Great advice. Something that I had never heard before or knew and uh, will help me in the future too because I, I did the opposite. So yeah, good. Always good. Um, all right. Well, um, what else we got about this? Well, you know, I, I could go into a thousand examples, right, as far as the devastation of, of, of uh, impaired driving and uh, uh, I, personally, I mean, my grandfather was killed by an impaired driver. A uh, year before I was born, I think I told that story once uh, in an earlier podcast. But the one I'm going to bring up here is uh, happened on a Thanksgiving Eve. Um, a car flipped over, and um, I, I got there, and the guy was uh, was deceased, and uh, um, had to go inform the family on you know Thanksgiving morning. You know, it was like two, three o'clock in the morning by the time I got to the house, but. Uh, you want to talk about just total, total, total devastation. They lost their 24 year old son because he made a decision to drive while impaired. And, uh, I have to say this. So the, see people learn how to get by. They learn how to, you know, um, continue to, to move on, you know, and live, but they never, ever, ever get over it. And you see all these um, makeshift memorials and such on the roadways, and um, and it just breaks my heart. I mean, I seriously, Bob. I just um, the point I always make is again, is that every one of those impaired driving-related crashes is preventable. There's, there's no excuse for it. There's no excuse for it. Well, I didn't realize it was impaired. Well, again, make the arrangements prior, right? Um, right. It's like you have a responsibility. And oh, it was just antihistamine. I don't care. You have a responsibility. It's impairment is just simply not worth the risk. And here's the other thing, too, and I'll say to drivers. Do you want to be that person who takes a loved one away? Do you want to live with that? Not only are you going to face you know, legal ramifications of that, there were two troopers who were killed uh, by an impaired driver um, earlier in the year down on Interstate 95 just outside of Philadelphia. And she's facing uh, third-degree murder charges. That woman's life is just wrecked. I'm sure she didn't want to you know, kill two troopers, but she did. So not only are those families, think about the, the wide swath cut here from just that one collision you know the, the two troopers their families their, their co-workers and then you have the, the the woman who was driving and she is for the rest of her life for the rest of her life she's going to have to live with the fact that she took out two lives because of impairment it, it to me it makes no sense whatsoever None. You know, I make it really, really simple. If I'm going to drink, I'm not going to drive. If I'm going to drive, I'm not going to drink. 
you know, if you want to spark up, stay, okay, spark up, stay at home, eat your pizza, don't get behind the wheel. You know, I don't care. You know, there's no excuse for this. And it is absolutely not worth the risk. Goes back to uh, what you've said from the first podcast, and you've said it in every podcast. Don't drive selfish. Right. Right. That's that's there that's is, selfish driving. It comes back to that, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. Um, getting behind the wheel uh, impaired is selfish because you think you're either superhuman or you can do it or you can get home before anything happens and you could kill somebody like like the women in your example that you just gave. So, right. um, something like that happens. I mean, your life is over. I mean, you'll never recover from that. You're um, going to. You might yeah. learn how to like deal day to day, but you're never going to fully recover from it. And the yeah. families never recover from it. No, that's true. All right. Well, um, if nothing else, this was a timely podcast related to uh, a big drinking holiday. Um, not trying to take away from the fun of the holiday that's coming up. I want everybody to have fun. Um, best advice is have fun, make a plan, um, but enjoy yourself, um, but enjoy yourself um, responsibly and don't be selfish. Exactly. Okay. Well, Phil, if you don't have anything else, I think we've um, gone over our um, limit of what we kind of want to do, uh, but this was an important one. And I don't even know if we've established what that limit is, but um, I, I think we, we said about 30 minutes. I know the last one on um, fatigue we went over, so I don't want to go too long because I want people to get uh, bored and turn, turn it off. But um, yeah, I think that uh, there, there is a lot to cover with this particular topic. Um, but yeah, I think we need to try to, uh, limit the, <laughs> limit the time on these, Bob, but boy, it's just, you know, a couple of safety geeks like you and I get talking, <laughs> it can go for a while. So that's but right. It's, be it's conscious of that. Absolutely. Yeah. We want these to be listened to and we want them to be uh, valuable. So, um, hopefully someone can get some value out of this. Uh, but until, uh, until the next podcast, which I think is going to be ADAS, right? Yep. I think that's what we have in, in line here. So. Okay. We'll probably take a, a, a week off, but you and I will decide uh, when we want to get that one uh, recorded. Um, but uh, if I don't talk to you next week, have a great uh, uh, rest of your week and have a great fourth and stay safe. Hey, you too, my friend. Be well, be safe. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Phil. Thanks.